Hey friend, welcome back to this new episode at Java with Jen. If you notice the ambiance of noise that you will hear, birds chirping and sirens and wind, it's because I'm sitting on the back porch recording this episode with you and it's just wonderful. So pretend you're sitting here in the other rocking chair and we're drinking coffee together. Okay, in today's episode, I decided, I actually had one of my listeners ask me if I could share my home birth birth stories in an episode. Um, and this was actually spurred because last week I delivered a baby for a friend of mine. It was the plan. It was not an emergency, but they planned it because their last birth was an emergency home delivery and they were not prepared. And so they decided, you know what, let's plan for it and let's have Jen be our assistant because she had all her babies at home. So that's how it happened. It was a beautiful, wonderful experience. Um, but due to the request to share my own birth stories, I went back and read through some of them and I laughed and I cried and I was touched by the Lord's faithfulness. And uh, I just want to say he showed up in miracles in each one of them. And so I do have some interesting thoughts and um, suggestions for any mothers who love Jesus and ideas, whether you're having a birth story or not, I mean a home birth or not. So let's jump into this. Uh, I think it'll be an interesting story. And disclaimer, I've been really nervous to share these stories publicly because I don't want everyone's opinions about what we did or why we did it. <laughs> so I'm sharing these stories, but they are in no way um, a standard of how things should be done. It's just what was right for us. So let's jump in. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Okay, so before I jump into today's episode, I do want to throw out a reminder that I have launched a podcast mastermind, which is for anybody who wants to start their own podcast, but isn't sure how to go about it, wants some help, wants some guidance in the process. I highly suggest the guidance because... It took me a couple of years to get my podcast off the ground because I had no idea what I was doing. Lots of tears. Um, and I want to help you. If you want to start a podcast, this is for you. And it is very, very affordable. Um, and it's going to be about eight weeks of classes plus some personal one-on-one coaching with me. And we are going to get your podcast up ready to grow, ready to monetize. You're going to be equipped with a lot of knowledge how to take your show for the long haul. I also teach you how to keep it very budget friendly so your overhead expense is extremely low, if not non-existent. That way you can also go for the long haul. So if you're interested in that, check in the show notes. I have a link right at the top of the show notes if you'd like to register. Registration closes April 29th. And right now there is a 50% discount code to get half off of the course um, expense. And so that is what makes it so affordable. So go check that out. Link in the description. Okay, for today's episode. So uh, I decided, my husband and I decided to have home births. Now, when I was, I was like 21, I feel like when I was pregnant and I had grown up, you just... Now, mind you, my mom actually had my little brother at home, and I remember watching that delivery. It's amazing. I remember standing around the bed, barely tall enough to see over the bed. My dad kept having to alternate between me and my twin sister, picking us up so we could watch what was happening. 
it's crazy that he was even doing that. Uh, it, the whole thing, I'm like, my parents were like hippies to the max. Um, but I do remember experiencing that. And the whole thing was very peaceful. And I remember it was just precious that baby brother was just there with us from the beginning. Um, but I did grow up never expecting to do that myself. And so when we came pregnant with our first, um, I definitely had to seek the Lord because Hurricane Rita came through and actually threw off kind of like all the, A, the midwife population, but I hadn't even gotten to that point yet. I had, I was just looking for a doctor, for a gynecologist. I was new to the area, trying to find a doctor, and nobody was open for when my delivery window was. I could not find a doctor, and I was just super frustrated. And in that gap is when the Lord began speaking to us about having a home birth. Now, before I get into this, I just want to let you know, I did deliver a baby this this week, um, as I shared in the introduction. It was the most precious, y'all hear that rooster? That's the one he shows up in my stories on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, follow me because the rooster makes his appearances. It's fun. Anyways, uh, the delivery this week was beautiful. They were former, um, well, she isn't, but her husband was a former college student of ours, and they live in the area again, and this is their fourth baby, and their last baby was an emergency home birth. Uh, sh- her deliveries just go very quickly, and they couldn't get her to the hospital on time, so they decided to deliver at home. Um, they were not prepared, and they did have a friend over, another one of our former college students, to help deliver, or sorry, to help watch the kids when they went to the hospital. Um, but she ended up delivering their baby. So they decided, you know, let's just plan ahead. Let's be prepared. Let's have Jen come help with this. I had offered if they ended up in that position again, I said, please call me. I've done it a few times. I know I can help you. Um, so they just decided that I was going to be their person. So they called me at 1215. And the baby was born by 2.39, and I had the sweet privilege of being right there, welcoming the baby into the world, and um, being the first one to hold her and put her up on mama, get her get her uh, breathing and, and crying and all of that. It was just precious. And the I could just feel the excitement of the Lord in the atmosphere. I It made me realize, being on this side of a delivery, just how much the Lord gets giddy over babies. I could feel his heart of excitement. It was like he was giddy. And I could sense that there were angels in the room with us. There was just a peace and just the presence. It was just precious, man. And um, and her husband was such a champ, just cheering her on and encouraging her and and helping her. And, and she was just cool as a cucumber. It was just a really precious, beautiful experience. Now, before I share our stories, I do want to share this. In our journey, like I said, I had never anticipated having a home birth. But when the Lord dealt with me about having a home birth, that was the path he had chosen for us. So I kind of wrestled, but it became an issue actually of obedience for me because the Lord was inviting us into a different journey than we would have written for ourselves. Um I want to put out this disclaimer. I do not believe that home birth is a more spiritual way to have a baby. I don't. I know people who've had babies in hospitals that had phenomenal, just the presence of God came, nurses got saved, worship music was planned, there was a glory cloud in the room. You know, I know God will show up anywhere you invite him. So home birth, hospital birth, doesn't matter. Um, For us, this was the route that the Lord instructed us to take for, I think, reasons I didn't even 
I didn't even know. I, I didn't understand why he chose this path for us, but we knew to trust him. And so this was the path we chose. I will suggest if anyone's pregnant or planning to have babies and you are considering a home birth, you need to pray about it and consult with your doctor. Use wisdom. I didn't even have a doctor yet, so I didn't have one to consult with. Um, but please use wisdom. I, I know of home births that have not gone well because people just kind of jumped ahead and plunged ahead without consulting the Lord. And there were some complications that didn't turn out well. So I just want to caution you and encourage you. Seek the Lord always for his path for your family and use wisdom. That's all. Okay. <laughs> Disclaimer over. So please do not quote me and say, generally said, this is the way to do it. This is not what I'm saying. And this is my personal story. Um, I'm getting kind of vulnerable by sharing these things with you guys. But at the same time, I also want to celebrate how beautiful the Lord can do things like this. So if you're ever in a position where you have to have a home birth, it's an emergency or whatever, just know it can be a beautiful, wonderful experience. Okay, so moving on. I was pregnant, was 21, couldn't find a doctor. Lord started speaking to us about home birth. And I remember the, the moment of my decision to switch over. I was on a walk with the Lord and I was probably four or five months pregnant. Like I was halfway in my pregnancy and couldn't find a doctor. And, um, and I remember the Lord had been speaking to us and asking us to consider having a home birth with no doctor intervention. I didn't know why he was asking that, um, but I didn't have any health issues that would have caused us to feel like this was reckless or anything. Um, and so I was kind of resistant to the idea actually. Um, but as I was on a walk with the Lord processing how afraid I was about having a hospital birth. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, I'm so afraid of delivery. I'm just so worried and anxious and I just don't know how to find peace, you know. And the Lord kind of tapped on my heart and he was like, remember, I've been talking to you about the idea of a home birth. And I was like, yeah, but that's just crazy talk. <laughs> like, this is my first baby. That's crazy. And the Lord was like, generally. And he said this phrase, and this phrase is not assigned to home birth. It is assigned to obedience. And he said, generally, he said, if you take the route of the spirit, which is obeying the, the father's leading, you will have the reward of the spirit, which the Bible says is life. And then he said, but if you take the route of the flesh, which is just leaning on our own understanding, doing things the way we think should be done, then you will have the reward of the flesh, which is sometimes pain, turmoil, death. So the Lord was not saying, if you have your babies in the hospital, you're going to die. He, he wasn't saying that. Um, but he was just saying, hey, I'm good. And my ways bring life. And I'm inviting you to, to obey, if you will, or lean into my leading in this. He was never pushy. I never felt trapped or anything. Um, and so when he shared that, and I realized that taking a step towards home birth would be a, a, a faith step, but that I could trust the Lord would take care of us. Um, then suddenly all my anxiety about delivering the baby dissipated. And so I decided, okay, we will have a home birth. So then I did my due diligence and began to research like crazy <laughs> and made sure we had all the resources we need. We had an assistant there. We had, we did let our doctor know what we were planning to do. And so he had given us his phone number in case there was any issues. We had a doctor that lived across the street from us and, um, and they were aware, you know, so we had, we, we used wisdom. We had some safety measures in place. We knew what to watch for as, um, you know, red flags or concerns. Anyways, so 
that was the promise that I felt like the Lord gave me for my delivery with Judah. So that's what I began to hold on to. If you take the route of the spirit, you'll have the reward of the spirit. Take the route of the flesh, you'll have the reward of the flesh. So I was like, okay, Lord, then we're just going to be led by your spirit. And um, so I, I start to go into labor. And side note, that is what I encourage any Christian mom to do. Whether you're having a home birth, hospital birth, does not matter, cesarean, doesn't matter. I encourage you in your pregnancy to seek the Lord for a word or a promise for your pregnancy and delivery. And I believe that becomes a promise that hovers over the life of your child as well. And so that promise for Judah, and I've done this with each child, and the Lord has been faithful to give me promises for every single one. And those promises actually became stakes I had to hold on to, especially with Shiloh, my last one. Um, became almost like a weapon of prayer that I had to hold on to to contend for what we were hoping to see, which was a healthy baby, healthy delivery. So when I went into labor with Judah, my first one, uh, I was in labor with him for three days, actually. It was very long. And it's funny, I noticed that each of the the labors and delivery processes are actually synonymous with their personalities. So Judah is a more laid back, slow moving personality. He's very peacemaking and, and just slow moving. And his labor definitely went that way. And so I, I remember um, being in labor with him three days. And then when I needed to start pushing, uh, I was pushing for four and a half, three and a half hours, four and a half hours. It was a long freaking time, y'all. It was long. And my contractions, I didn't, we didn't know he was in the wrong position. He was face up, sunny side up instead of face down. And which isn't tragic. It doesn't like majorly screw anything up. But because the wrong position was in play, my contractions weren't quite right. They were back and tailbone contractions instead of pulling the proper muscles. And so throughout that labor, um, there was moments when I remember one moment I was, I didn't know I was only halfway in. I still had 12 hours left. Um, or I guess I was more than halfway. And I was like, Lord, I'm running out of energy. All my contractions were very far apart, but they were very intense. And I was like, I'm running out of strength. And so I felt the Lord put his hand on me and he eased up my contractions. So they were 45 minutes to an hour and a half apart, which is complete REM cycles. And for about eight hours, they went on like that so that I could sleep and get some rest um, because the Lord knew I was going to have to be doing some serious pushing. And so, um, as Judah was coming, my water wasn't breaking. And I remember, um, even like feeling like my pelvic bone was preventing him from coming down into the birth canal and, and every obstacle and hurdle we came across, because if you're, if you're a pregnant mama or you're a, a gonna be mama, let me encourage you with this. Everybody has their birth story and everybody's birth story has some kind of, I mean, not everyone, but, but many women have complications or, you know, little things that come up that don't, it's not what you would have written into the story if you were writing it yourself, right? It's a little bit unexpected, little twists and turns. Um, rarely are those things devastating, right? Usually it's just, Hey, we just got to get creative or the doctor's got to get involved or whatever. But I remember hearing people's horror stories when I was pregnant and they thought they were helping me. And I was like, this is not helping. All you're doing is giving me lots of reasons to be afraid. (laughs) And so I want to encourage you with what the Lord told me. And uh, as I was processing those fears, the Lord said, Hey, Jen, 
step back and look at all these stories. And I, I kind of, in my imagination, looked over them all. And he said, do you notice that not one of them is the same? And I was like, oh, you're right. And he was like, generally, there is no standard thing that goes wrong, no standard thing to be afraid of. He said, you don't need to be afraid. Your story will be unique and your story has me written into it and you're going to be okay. And I was like, huh? So then I didn't feel like I had to adopt their horrible birth experiences as my potential experience. So it just really freed me to like appreciate their stories, but not take ownership of their stories. And so that brought a lot of peace and helped eliminate a lot of fear. So I just want to encourage you, your birth story will be unique and the Lord will show up and it's going to be beautiful. Um, and so anyways, as I was laboring with Judah, I get into there where my pelvic bone felt like it was in the way. And that was because of his positioning, it turns out. And so my husband would exercise his God-given authority over my body uh, multiple times throughout the labor. One was to shift the baby so he could come out properly. He just put his hand on my stomach and he commanded the baby to shift so that he could come out without any struggle. And I did. I felt the baby shift. And then the pushing was... was um, fruitful. And then my, my water wasn't breaking. And so I was like, babe, it's really hard to push. The water hasn't broken yet. And I was like, I'm literally doing the deed, pushing the baby, you know? And so he put his hand on me and he commanded my water to break. And I think it was one or two pushes later and my water burst. And he's actually had to command my water to break for, I want to say most of my labor, most of my babies. Um, and so anyways, the baby finally came, was delivered and he was beautiful, healthy, head full of hair. Oh my gosh, he had so much hair. He had a mullet when he was born, actually. It was so long and black. And um, But my afterbirth didn't come. And it held on and it held on and it held on. And after about 10 and a half hours, I went in the bathroom and I said, Lord, you brought this baby to birth. You, you grew him, you born him, and here I am and I need you to do this. And there were some things the Lord showed me in prayer that I processed with him. And then sure enough, bloop, out comes the placenta. And so it was amazing though, because I could feel that that placenta being attached was not good. I could feel that it was draining my energy and draining. Um, I didn't know it was actually causing me to bleed out. I didn't realize that at the time. Um, glad I didn't know it then. I would have probably freaked out. Uh, but the Lord was faithful and he showed up and he eased that labor so I could get rest. He brought the placenta. He caused the baby to shift, caused my water to break. It was beautiful. But I will say it was, it was still a bit of a traumatizing birth for me because I, there was a lot of fear at play in my heart. And I think that maybe part of what caused my placenta to hold up was just some fears. Um, and so I actually had to break agreement with fear. In fact, this last delivery that I was at here this last week, um, her placenta wasn't coming. It, it didn't hold up forever. It was like about an hour and a half, which I guess up to two hours can be normal. And, um, but she had expressed that she'd been a little fearful about it not coming soon enough. And so I suggested, I said, Hey, why don't you and your husband just pray together real quick and just verbally out loud, break agreement with fear. I said, break agreement with fear and just thank the Lord that he's going to bring this thing. Um, complete this process, finish what he's begun. And she said, okay. And so I left them and, and they prayed in the bathroom and yep, sure enough, a minute later, that placenta plopped right out. So there is something to be said for breaking agreement with fear and confessing life. Your body's listening to your words. And so anyway, so moved on to my pregnancy with you, with, 
Levi, my second. And I had spent a lot of time in the Word um, because in my first one, I had read a book that I think I must have extracted some things through a lens of fear, but I walked away with this belief that if there was any kind of open doors in my life, any kind of issues in my heart, it would create doorways for the enemy to disrupt my labor and delivery process. Well, the downside to that is that leaves no great, no room for grace. That doesn't leave me trusting in the faithfulness of the Lord. That left me almost in a works men- mentality where I was, that rooster is starting to annoy me, uh, in a works mentality where I felt responsible for every little inch of this labor rather than trusting my very good, faithful Lord who had promised to take care of things. And so I realized that that belief system was wrong. And so I decided with Levi that I was going to spend time in the word, getting the word of God in my heart, building my ability to just lean into and rest into the completed work of the cross. And I, I, we did a lot of learning about the completed work of the cross um, and what Jesus purchased for us at church and stuff. And it was just very well-timed, very timely. And so I had put so much of the word in my heart and I put so much energy into, Lord, Holy Spirit, your job is to lead me into truth and lead me into conviction. And if there's any issues in my heart that would cause room for the enemy to disrupt this process, then I'm trusting you to show me and I will deal with it. But otherwise, I'm going to trust you to cover over everything else with your grace. And so the, the atmosphere of my heart going into my second labor was so different. Now with Levi, I asked the Lord for a promise. And the Lord's promise to me was, my goodness will be seen in your labor and delivery. And we actually named Levi, Levi, because the word Levi means um, a good God. And, uh, and so Levi's name means a good God. Uh, wait, what does it mean? Yeah, oh, it, sorry. Evan, his middle name means good God. So his name means in covenant with a good God who hears Levi, Evan, Samuel. And, um, anyway, so with Levi's, I went into labor. My mom was in town and here's another issue. If anyone has home births or I've heard some women say, I didn't want specific people at my delivery, but I didn't know how to tell them I didn't want them in the room. You know, it can become a little uncomfortable, especially with mothers. Um, and so I said, you know, the best thing you can do is just ask the Lord to ordain who is going to be at your deliveries, um, and work it out that way. And so my mom was in town and I was grateful because she was such a help and she missed Judah's. She came, but he came late. And so they flew back home and she wasn't there for Judah's. Um, but with Judah's, my twin sister actually arrived. She had driven from Arizona and arrived at like 2 a.m. while I'm in the middle of pushing and they ring the doorbell. And I was like, I remember I was in the middle of pushing and I look at Stephen. I was like, who in the heck is at the door right now? And I was like, oh yeah, Sarah, she was driving. And so Stephen went and sent her to a, a hotel and he was like, we'll see you in the morning. We're in the deep of it. And she was like, okay. Um, but anyways, so with Levi, my, uh, my mother was there and I was so grateful, uh, because I was in labor during the day hours. And so Judah, my little two-year-old, I'm laboring in the, uh, in the recliner and he keeps trying to climb on my lap. And I I finally looked at Steven and I said, Steven, you have got to get Judah out of here because if he climbs on me during another contraction, I'm afraid I'm going to kick him across the room. (laughs) Like 
I'm in the deep stuff here. I can't handle a toddler climbing on me in contractions. And so my mom took him and they went to a friend's house and it just, it was great. It was perfect. And so with Levi, his labor was 12 hours. It started at 2 a.m., was done by 2 p.m. And everything we prayed, everything that we prayed, and that's another recommendation. I recommend writing down scriptures, promises, or things you're believing for with your labor and delivery, whether it's at home or in a hospital, and giving that to a small group of people who are going to be praying the same things over your experience. Get specific, like, Lord, I want my placenta to come within 20 minutes, you know, or three pushes and he's done, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so Levi came and my promise with him was my goodness will be seen with your labor and delivery. That's the Lord spoke to me. So Levi's birth comes, he's delivered. Well, I'm, I think I was pushing for 15 minutes, like four or five pushes and he was out. My placenta came within 20 minutes. It was literally like a beautiful textbook delivery. And he was my largest baby actually. And so after it's all done, a few days later, I'm looking through the pictures that my mom had, had later arrived and been able to take, and I see a picture of Tiffany, who was our precious friend who served as our midwife, and she was like ugly crying, like sobbing, face distorted, ugly crying, and I was like, oh my gosh, was she helping me in my labor, and she had an emergency at home and couldn't go back? Like, what news did she get? I was so, like, frightened, and so I called Tiffany right away. I said, Tiffany, please tell me what happened. I'm so sorry if we had you busy and you were supposed to be somewhere else, and she goes, oh, no, no, Jen. In that picture, I was on the phone with my mom who was watching my kids and asking how the delivery went, and she said, generally, I was overcome with the goodness of God and I just couldn't help but cry because of everything that you guys prayed for and believed for. He just answered all of it. And it was so beautiful. I just was overwhelmed with his goodness. And so when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that was the promise that the Lord gave me. See, look, I cry even when I tell it because it was so precious. Um, and so it just, it blessed my heart because God's promise was fulfilled in that one as well. And so, and it was just, you know, just beautiful. Anyways, with Benjamin's, Benjamin's was a little more um, wild. Uh, his, now his, now Levi's 12 hours textbook. And Levi, you know, he follows the rules. He's very, uh, he's a good student, you know. I mean, we had moments with him when he was young where he was difficult, but his his labor and delivery went a lot like his personality. He likes to follow the rules. And uh, and with Benjamin, Benjamin is short and fast and furious. And I mean, not angry, but like full of personality. <laughs> That's how his labor was. Now with Benjamin, the Lord gave me three promises. And he actually put three people on my heart to have at the birth. And so Morgan Castile was one. She was one of our youth girls back then. And then Tiffany, of course, and then another woman named Carla. And she's an intercessor. And so all three of them were there. So they got to kind of visit with each other in the living room while I was laboring in the bathtub. Um, but with Benjamin, I went into labor, I guess. Uh, one evening, Tracy had come over to pick up the older two boys. And I was grocery shopping. And this is so funny. I remember I went in because I was thinking, hey, we need groceries. I labor for a long time. Let's get the groceries done. So I was like, I'll just 
breathe through these contractions while I'm out getting groceries. No big deal. So I'm literally out running errands, grocery shopping. I don't know how my husband let me do this. He probably tried to stop me and I just wouldn't listen. But I remember walking (laughs) walking into HEB where all the cash registers are. And I walked in and as soon as I walk in pushing my car, I got hit with a contraction. And so I stopped and I put my hand on my stomach and put my head down and just like breathed through it real quick. And I was like, okay. And then when I looked up, (laughs) every single person in the building was like frozen in time, staring at me with like this horrified look like, is she about to have a baby right here on the floor? (laughs) And so I looked at everybody and I realized everyone was looking at me and I realized kind of what had just transpired and how it looked to them. And I was like, oh, oh no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just gonna false alarm. I'm good. I'm just going to get groceries. And they were like, everybody like sighed a sigh of relief and kept going. So that was hilarious. Um, anyways, so I get home and you know, we contract and I'm having contractions here and there and yonder, but they didn't really like kick in. And so I remember asking the Lord, like, Lord, It's like 9 p.m. And I was like, Lord, what do I need to do? Are things going to pick up? And I felt like the Lord said, your contractions will start again after 3 a.m. Get rest while you can. And so I did. I went to sleep. And sure enough, um, at 3.22, contractions started up again. And so I started laboring. Well, then when the morning came, they kind of started to dwindle again. And so they were kind of off and on throughout the day, real sparse, whatever. And I was like, what is this? And so I called Stephen that morning. I said, hey, what do you say we have a baby today? And he goes, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And so um, and so we went about and our friends, Josh and Cheryl came over and Stephen was like, that night he was like, he was like, what should we do tonight? And I was like, I don't know. My contractions aren't real regular. So I'm not sure if we're having a baby tonight or not. And then he goes, hey, Josh and Cheryl wanted to come over. And I was like, oh, I had a dream last night that Josh and Cheryl were here when I went into labor. Yes, let's do it. And so they came over and sure enough, I went into labor um, while they were there and like not crazy labor, just contractions started again. And um, so they stayed for a little while. And then when it got intense enough that I had to breathe through them, I was like, okay, guys, I think we'll part company now. I'm probably gonna have a baby tonight. They're like, okay. And so they left and um, and then uh, I felt like, what was it earlier in the day? I think I had asked the Lord about why my contractions slowed down. And I felt like he had told me, your contractions will pick back up again tonight. Rest while you can. And so that day, I just pretty much laid around and rested. And then Josh and Cheryl came that evening. So I was grateful that the Lord kept giving me a heads up. So there's another pointer, like consult the Lord about your body. Consult the Lord about what's going on. Um, He knows and he has a plan and he'll speak to you about it. Um, See, again, hearing God's voice plays into everyday life all these ways. And so... I start pushing later, like Benjamin, I'm in the bathtub and and he comes and it's a beautiful thing. And I'm like, I need to look at this um, story back up on Facebook because I was like laughing and crying when Benjamin's birth story, I was laughing and crying reading this. Um, Let's see. So apparently I, what is it? So finally, on Friday night, I got into the tub to ease the intensity of the contractions. It helped, but they were still contractions with a job to be done, so they were pretty intense. The longer I was in the tub, the closer together they got till they were about two to four minutes apart with Benjamin. 
So by then they were so intense, breathing through them wasn't helping a whole lot. So I started praying in tongues out loud. And the more intense the contraction, the louder I prayed in tongues. And bless it, Morgan uh, Reedy, Morgan Castile was in the living room. We had had the ladies come over at some point. And, um, and I remember I could hear her I could hear her crying or doing something. And later I asked her, I was like, why were you crying? And she goes, well, I just couldn't bear to hear you in those contractions and you were praying in tongues. So I would just pray in tongues too. And then I was crying because you were hurting, you know, it was just really sweet. She was all, all there empathetically with me. Um, but anyways, the, the praying in tongues actually really did help. Uh, anyways, and so I had texted Connie Rich, who's a friend of mine, Prophet Phil's wife, and telling her how frightened I was about pushing because by now it's my third kid and I know how pushing kind of just takes over your body to get the job done. That's exactly what it's supposed to do, right? Like your body's built for this. Um, but I always got a little overwhelmed by it. And so I messaged her and she goes, okay, generally then we're praying that the peace of God that passes all understanding overwhelms you and that three good pushes and he's out and I said okay I can agree with that and so sure enough I started having the urge to push around 12 30 in the in the morning and so the first push broke my water the second push he was already crowning and so his head came out and I remember between the second and third push his his head was out and I just remember seeing him and looking at him under the water. His eyes were open and he was just kind of looking around with his head literally hanging out of me and his shoulders still inside. And so with the third contraction, I just eased his shoulders out and there he was. And so we got him crying. So I actually pulled Benjamin out myself. And um, so I delivered him and then it was perfect. And so his, his promises were, my grace will be abundant to you which I felt like was very present with the three pushes and he was out. God's grace was so present and pleasant there. Um, The next promise was, I will be at your right hand. And I was very aware of the Lord's nearness and his companionship throughout that labor. I would look to him in my heart. I would turn and look to the Lord for strength. And then peace would come and ease my contractions. He was at my right hand, offering strength and sustaining me. And the last promise was that Benjamin would be born into the glory of the Lord. And as I was moving, as I was moved to cry out in tongues and prayer during contractions, at one point I became very aware of the presence of the Lord moving into the room and fear moving out. I don't know what I prayed because I was praying in tongues, but my thoughts and feelings moved from that of fear and overwhelm to the authority and boldness that I had in the situation. And I do believe that was Connie's prayers over me as well. Um, And so the atmosphere that he was born into was one of peace and completion and just the presence of the Lord. And so that actually reminds me in Levi's delivery, back one child, when I, what was characterizing about his that I remember so distinctly was when I was starting to have intense contractions where they were starting to be very uncomfortable. Now, remember my first birth had been kind of traumatizing. So my second birth, I was believing for a better experience. Um, and as my contractions started to get intense and feel very, very, very uncomfortable, I noticed anxiety and almost like a PTSD experience kind of started to rise up in my heart like oh no it's going to be like the last one and it was almost like anxiety started to try to take me over and my heart started to race and I started to feel overwhelmed by the labor experience 
Um, but then sure enough, as soon as anxiety started to come up, all these scriptures that I had buried in my heart throughout that pregnancy rose up and just this roar came up inside of me like, you are not man that you would lie to me. And so I said, out, Lord, I said, Lord, you are not man that you would lie to me. You gave me these promises and I need you to show up right now because I am in labor and this hurts. <laughs> and so sure enough, right as I prayed that, I saw the Lord appear at my right hand side. Granted, I was seeing him in my imagination, but it was like suddenly I saw him at my right hand and he was standing next to me in the recliner next to the recliner and he took his left hand and I I looked up at him and he took his left hand and rested on my forehead like a parent that would soothe their child and in his right hand he lifted it up and it was much larger than life it was like could cover my whole belly and so he took his right hand and laid it over my stomach and when he did my contractions eased by about 50 percent of discomfort and so that's how I walked through the rest of that labor Every time a contraction would come, I would look to the Lord and he would put his hand on my stomach and he would ease it. And so that was what made um, Levi's birth experience so special. And so with Benjamin's, of course, the Lord showed up. And now I'm going to share with you. I'm looking up Shiloh's real quick. So I'm like, because they all have these unique stories that I, I forget the details. I'm so glad I wrote this down. So there's another tip. Write down your birth stories while it's fresh. Um So with Shiloh, we actually thought he was a girl until we went for an ultrasound around 25 weeks or something. And Steven decided to surprise me at the desk. The lady at the desk was like, okay, generally, like, what do you think it is? And I said, oh, I am confident it's a girl. It's totally a girl. Everything is so different. And Steven, and she was like, what does daddy think? Dads are usually right. I go, yeah, he thinks it's a girl too. We're in agreement over this. And she looks at him and he kind of has this look on his face like, well. And I look at him and I said, what, what are you thinking? And he goes, I actually kind of think it's a boy. And I was like, the nerve, the nerve. You tell me this right now as I'm about to go into my delivery or not my delivery, my uh, ultrasound. And I said, what are you talking about? You've been telling me it's a girl the whole time. And he goes, well, I was, I was praying this morning and I felt like the Lord told me it might be a boy. And I was like, You couldn't tell me that this morning and give me some time to like adapt to the idea. And so he was like, I know, I'm sorry. I just don't want to upset you. So we go into the ultrasound and sure enough, she's doing the, the, the thing and I hear his heartbeat and it's like 146 or something. And immediately I knew because Judah's heartbeat was like the same. And I know that like boys heartbeats run a little lower, like 140s, 150s and girls tend to be more in the 160s, 170s. So hmm, there's another tip. Um, And so sure enough, then here's his loud and proud boy flag on the screen. And so I actually had to, I just cried. And it was really sad. It's like the baby, we could see his face on the screen and he was like smiling. And then when I started crying, he started pouting on the screen. He could feel my emotions. It was so weird. And so I knew in that moment, I was like, I understand I'm grieving the loss of a girl that I thought I was having, but I never want this boy to feel like he was not wanted. And so I knew that it was natural for me to have a little bit of heartbreak because in my heart, 
I was having a girl. In my heart, I had bonded with a daughter. In my heart, I had piggy tails, red bows, and a little best friend that I was going to be delivering. But now I was finding out I had a boy. And so I gave myself space and permission to grieve without feeling bad. Um, you know, people would try to console me like, well, at least he's healthy. But I just knew I had to grieve it. It's just, you know, your heart has to transition. And so I was careful not to say anything um, against my little boy. I didn't want anything to be stuck to him that wasn't good. Um, but I just knew I needed to take some space to grieve. And it was about a week or so of me giving myself the space to process with the Lord and cry and and let go of the idea of a little girl. And then I started feeling excited about having a little boy. So I just, I gave my heart time to kind of transition that and, and process that. And I'm glad I did. And so, of course, then Shiloh comes along and I'm super excited. And um, so his promise for his delivery was, I will overcome. <laughs> I was like, Lord, can I get a can I get a go back on that? Can we try that again? <laughs> and so he was like, no, my promise is I will overcome. And I was like, okay, okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're going to be overcoming whatever you got to overcome. <laughs> and so I was like, dang. And so uh, we go into labor. And so let's see, it's like March 14th. He was due early March. And so he goes, he goes long. And so let's see, I'm looking through the story. So we actually, let me look, pregnancy and birth. So I had been praying in that one about like, because I, I noticed with each one of my pregnancies, I kind of, even though I'd done it so many times, I still got really nervous and, and a little anxious about delivery each time. And so at every birth, I had to process it differently. And so with Shiloh's, I was processing like, what was it like in the garden? Like what would have been God's design? for having babies in the garden. Like if sin had never come, they were given the command to be fruitful and multiply. So in God's original plan, <clears throat> they would have had babies in the garden. And what would that experience have been like? Because I'm in Christ now, so I inherit what the garden could have been. And so that was where my mind was in preparing for this delivery. And so um, oh, you know what? The Josh Beck situation, them coming over, that was with Shiloh, not with Benjamin. My bad. So I just jacked up Benjamin's birth story. Sorry. Um, Josh and Cheryl came over on the, the night of Shiloh's. So Shiloh's labor was very erratic. Um, he was still sideways in my stomach whenever it came time for labor. I remember trying to use a Pilates ball and get on my hands and knees and get down on my elbows with my butt in the air, trying to like help the baby shift and move somehow. Um, but he was, he was sideways the whole time and never dropped. And yeah, like that one did not follow any rules. And I just remember the Lord, every time I'd start to have some anxiety about it, the Lord would say, I will overcome. So let me read this a little bit. Um, let's see. Oh, I had a dream that Josh was here when I went into labor. Sure. Have him come over. After that conversation with Stephen, somehow I knew in my heart that this would be the night that I would have Shiloh. Sure enough, he and Cheryl came over, and during the course of the evening, I started to have contractions that ached in my back and were followed by a hard, tight tummy. However, the contractions felt more like back labor than real labor, which I knew was because of the baby's position. So I didn't, I still didn't think that it was quite real labor time because they were so inconsistent. And I thought surely the baby would get in the right position. So Cheryl and I went on a walk, contractions got more uncomfortable 
and Stephen put the kids to bed. They stayed a little longer, and finally I decided that it was time to part company. I was, I decided to go lay down in bed and found out after looking up online that makes laboring much more uncomfortable. So another tip, don't go lay down in bed flat when you're in labor. I don't know why they put women laid back in a bed in the hospitals when they're in labor. It is one of the most uncomfortable positions to be in. I mean, it works. It works. And if you get an epidural, Lord Jesus bless you. You are a lucky woman, you know. But anyways, I couldn't lay down flat in my bed. Lean, sitting up, I guess, is more comfortable. So um, I started to feel out of control with this one because the contractions were pulling at my back, not at my stomach. And it did not feel that they were dilating me. So I was feeling like my body was going through the motions of being in labor, but I could tell it was not doing what it was supposed to be doing. And so I started to look to the Lord and I was like, God, I was kind of panicking. And he said, I will overcome. And so I calmed down. I put my eyes on him and I decided to rest and lay down. That's when I figured out, don't lay down. It's very uncomfortable. Um, and so about 3 a.m., um, I was exhausted. The contractions were still quite a bit in my back. And every time I had a contraction, I felt it pulling in my back instead of my stomach. I closed my eyes and looked in the Lord's face. And in this one, this delivery, God's intervention was a little different. He put one hand under my lower back. I was in the tub at this point. And I remember he put left hand under my lower back and his right hand, he put real low on my stomach, just like near my pelvic area. And he shifted, his left hand shifted the contractions from my back into my stomach. It was like he was shifting them from one hand to the other. And so he caused my contractions to then engage in the correct way. Listen, y'all, the Lord assisted my births. He just did. As you can hear, he, he's assisting my births. It's so crazy. Um, so for the rest of my labor, I continued to look to the Lord to persuade my labor out of my back and into my stomach. Y'all, I'm so glad I wrote this down. I didn't remember this. So I kept praying about if the baby, about the baby moving positions. I knew he was still sideways. I didn't feel like there were any hindrances spiritually that were causing things to be messed up, and neither did Stephen. So we just rested in the Lord's promise again that somehow he would overcome even a wrongly positioned baby. So about 4 a.m., I finally embraced the fact this was legit labor. And despite the obstacles of the baby not being dropped or in the right position, my slow dilation, I sent a text to friends asking them to pray. About 5.30 in the morning, we called Tracy and Tiffany and told them we would need them to come over soon. Both of them had trouble finding someone to watch their kids. So they showed up around 7 a.m. And my in-laws had come and picked up the other kids around 6, 6.30. So the baby's born around 7.15 or 7.30, um, maybe a little later. And so the action really, like, no one even got there till just before the baby came. So when Tiffany got there, um, she heard me around 7.30. I guess I would say this in all of my deliveries. I didn't know this, but Tiffany, I heard her chuckle. And I, I guess I said to Stephen, don't touch me. <laughs> and she laughed because I guess I've said it with everyone just before delivering. So she she could see in my face that I switched um, from my normal self to like serious go mode. And so she was like, all right, we're here. We're about to have this baby. And um, and so Stephen, bless his heart, he would be trying to check to see how dilated I was. And I was like, don't touch me. Anyway, so as the contractions continued, 
I looked at Stephen in like total exhaustion and I said really weakly, I don't think I can do this much longer. I'm so tired. Um, but another tip, when you hear that phrase come out your mouth, pregnant laboring women, this means you're about to have a baby. In fact, the delivery I just assisted, she said that just before she started pushing as well. It's literally when you're rounding the corner of pushing, you're going to be inclined to say that phrase. And so when I heard myself say that phrase, I knew I was like, oh, good, we're about there. <laughs> and so um, I kept breathing and I kept breathing through the need to push. And because I knew I wasn't fully dilated, I was at like a six or something. And so the Holy Spirit kind of came and whispered to me and he said, hey, baby, you know, you're going to have to push. And I said, I don't want to push. And he was like, baby, you're going to have to, you're going to have to push. You can't breathe through all of these. And I was like, but I don't want to push. And so I said, Lord, I'm not all the way dilated. So if I have to push and if it's safe to push, you're going to have to give me the urge unmistakable so that I will just have to push when it's time. Y'all, that was the stupidest prayer I could have prayed because then comes this eight minute long contraction from hell that delivered my baby. So the Lord took me seriously, bless his heart. Um, I cried out to the Lord for eight minutes and that eight minute contraction pushed the baby from way up in my diaphragm, pushed him head down, burst my water, got him into the birth canal. Then he crowned and his head was out. And as his head was hanging out of me, normally there's a little bit of like a relief. And then there's another contraction where you can deliver their shoulders. Um, but that contraction was still squeezing and Stephen was doing nothing. And I remember I screamed at him so loud, get him out, get him out, get him out. And I screamed so loud that I actually went hoarse. And Stephen kept telling me, don't touch him, don't touch him, be gentle, just wait. And I was like, I don't know what the crap you think you're doing over there, dude, but I'm having this baby. And like, he didn't know, of course, the contraction is still squeezing. So I literally just in a Hercules, Shiro's moment reached down, grabbed the baby's head and just pulled him out in like, I was, I was not trying to be gentle. I was trying to get this kid out of my Wahoo because ouch. And so sure enough, I pull him out. And so I like, apparently I had slapped Steven's hands out of the way because he was not moving fast enough and not doing the job. And I was like, stop it. And I just smacked his hands and reached down, grabbed the baby myself and pulled it out. So, um, yeah, it was such a relief whenever I got him out and Stephen was able to get him crying and stimulate the tears. And so, but what was precious was later as I was processing with the Lord, the Lord came to me. I think I was still maybe in the tub, just kind of waiting for my afterbirth. And, and the Lord came and whispered to me and he goes, Jen, remember how you were asking me what it was like to give birth in the garden? And I said, yeah, I'm still, still wondering what that would have been like. And, um, <clears throat> There, there was a point, pause, there was a point in this labor that our midwives and our assistants couldn't get there. And we thought it was just going to be me and Stephen delivering this baby. And, and in that moment, the Lord was like, that would have been the garden. That would have been the garden. Who do you think would have delivered Eve's baby? You know, Adam's there to help her, console her. He got her pregnant. You know, he's, he's done his part, if you will. But no, Adam would have been there to help her. The Lord himself would have been the midwife delivering the baby in the garden. And so the Lord reminded me of how it was just going to be me and Stephen. And in my heart, I was like, oh, we'll deliver the baby with the Lord. Okay. And then I thought in my heart, oh, man, that means there's not going to be anybody here to take pictures. 
And so when Tiffany showed up, I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, I thought you said it was just going to be us. And he goes, well, I knew you needed someone to take pictures. And I was like, oh, you're so sweet. And so, but the Lord spoke to me and he was like, that would have been the garden, me delivering the baby. And the Lord did. The Lord shifted my labor. The Lord literally was my midwife. I mean, he he gave me instruction throughout the process. He shifted my contractions from my back to my stomach. He brought that baby. He, when I was having anxiety and getting overwhelmed, he consoled me and was like, I will overcome. And so the Lord operated in essence as my midwife. Now that's not to under underwrite or to undo the role Tiffany played. Tiffany was a lifesaver in every single one of my births. I was so grateful for her. Oh my gosh. And I was just so thankful for her. Um, but the Lord was right there with us in the middle of it. And so while this delivery wasn't pain-free or bliss or anything like that, the Lord walked with me through it. And I was just so grateful. So the promise for Shiloh, the reason I say it becomes a promise over their life is God wasn't done having to overcome things. So we take we took all our babies to the doctor within a couple days of having them. And so we take Shiloh to the doctor and the doctor was listening to his heart and he saw something concerning. And so he was like, um, Jen, I'm kind of concerned about this. So you need to bring him back in three days. Um, and he started throwing out some terms that kind of scared me. But as he was saying, Hey, these are possible concerns that I have. Um, you know, fear started to creep in. What's wrong with my baby? Is he okay? And then that promise the Lord gave me, I will overcome just rose up in my heart. And the Lord just almost like a, like a defiant order, like, no, I will overcome. And so I said, okay. And so we took him home and I just rested my heart in that place. And I said, Lord, you promise that you will overcome. We have a health issue now. I need you to overcome this as well. And so we took the baby back a week later and the doctor listened to him. And he said, Jen, I don't hear any signs of what I was hearing the first time. I think it corrected itself or whatever. The Lord maybe touched him. My doctor's a Christian. And, um, and he said, but he, he's okay. And I was like, praise the Lord. And so I knew, I knew the Lord had touched him because he told us he would. And so those are my, those are my delivery stories. Oh my gosh, it's an hour. Um, those are my delivery stories. And, you know, it's a little more casual episode, me just sharing with you and reading them off of my, um, my notes. But the moral of the story being, Never underestimate how the Lord wants to be involved. Now, following the leading of the Holy Spirit, God is truth. God is faith. God is also wisdom. And so if you're pursuing something where you're walking in partnership with the Lord, similar to how we did or however the Lord is leading you, understand it is not more faith to abandon wisdom, okay? So please understand wisdom should walk with you as well. Wisdom is the voice of the Holy Spirit. So the leading of the Lord, he should lead you into wisdom, never away from it. So if you're going to walk with the Lord in any kind of supernatural way that you're trusting him to show up in um, situations, there is wisdom in doing what you can to do your part to ensure that things go well. And then what we cannot control, we put in the Lord's hands. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're a pregnant mama and you're planning on having kids, or even if you've already had kids, I would encourage you, 
Ask the Lord for a promise for your child's life. And it could be a new promise every season of their life. It could be one that they carry throughout their whole life. It could be a scripture. could be a phrase he gives you. It could be a number of things. It could be attached to what their name means. Literally, it could be anything. But the beautiful thing is promises are, the Bible says that God's promises are yes and amen. When he reveals things to us, that once it's revealed, it is our possession. And so when God reveals a promise to you for your child, for your child's life, maybe they're older and they've, they're living a life that is, is heartbreaking, you can go to the Lord and say, God, I need to know what your promises are for my child. And then I would encourage you also take the time to break agreement verbally with anything that you have spoken in fear, anything that you have spoken over your child, over their life, like, oh, they're just going to destroy themselves. Like, no, your words are a voice of authority in their life. And the enemy knows that. And the enemy listens to your words to know what right he has to do stuff in their life. So what I what I do anytime I've, I've my words have gotten ahead of me and I've said things I shouldn't say, I go back to that child and to the Holy Spirit. And I say, you know what, my son, I am so sorry I said this. That was wrong. I'm, I don't want to put a label on you. I don't want to put this thing on you. That was wrong. I didn't say that right. Here's what I feel like would be aligned with truth. Or here's what I feel like God would be saying instead. And I break agreement with those words. And in prayer, I break agreement. And I put the enemy on notice. Be like, Satan, you may not use any passwords I have said against me or against my child because I'm breaking agreement with those, applying the blood of Jesus over those, and I'm removing your access to their life through my words. And instead, I am bringing this promise and confession of faith over their life and over the days of their lives. And so getting a promise for your labor and delivery becomes a weapon you can hold on to. It becomes a strength that strengthens you when things get rocky. That's what the word of God is meant to do. Like the parable in the New Testament that a house built on the word of God stands, even though the waves come and the and the wind blows, the house built on the rock stands secure. That is the word of God. And so Build your life, build your kids' lives on the rock, on the word of God. Hold on to those promises. Confess them over their life. It is never too late to step into that place and begin to confess the promises of God over your children. So that's our birth story. Um, I feel a little vulnerable now that I've just shared all of those things because I know some of it probably sounds crazy. And when I listen back, I'm like, how the heck did we do that? Um, But clearly the Lord walked with us and I'm so grateful he did. And I'm so grateful I wrote those stories down. I've got to go look up Judah and Levi's now because I can't find them on Facebook. Um, So you guys write your birth stories down. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Otherwise, you guys follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen. And uh, send me a message if you listen to this episode and it was like, what? And your mind is blown or, or it resonated with something or anything. Feel free to reach out, ask questions, um, throw a screenshot of it up in your stories on Instagram. Tag me so I can see it. Um, otherwise, go check out javawitchandmerch.com if you want some merch. And if you're wanting to start a podcast, I'm opening. My mastermind is open for registrations until April 29th. It starts on the 30th. So if you want to do a podcast, go check that out right now. And the link is in the, the description notes. And otherwise, you guys, I love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And thanks for listening to my story. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. 
it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.